All right, and with Daniel, how are you doing, Daniel? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. I'm tired. I was away in San Francisco for three days, and I used to travel a lot, as regular listeners will know, and I've been doing less since the pandemic started, so I don't have to do it very often, and then my body kind of rejected the short flight and the holiday. I'm absolutely shattered, but apart from that, all good. (laughs) I thought nothing in a previous life of taking a 16-hour flight to Singapore for one meeting. It was fine. Uh, but uh, now I'm getting on in years. It's like, no, you shall have to sleep for hours and hours on end. Back home now. And, well, we got a few things to talk about today. So we can talk about United Sheffield United and the United women's team, because we haven't caught up on them, both domestically and the Champions League exit. And then, of course, Bobby Charlton. So why don't, why don't we start with Charlton? We got the news yesterday around it just a bit before kickoff uh, i think wasn't it an hour or so before kickoff rumors started circulating and it was confirmed by his family in the club we knew he was ill of course and so very sad passing of a statesman of football yeah i mean bobby charlton's one of those rarities in that he's not almost bobby charlton is he he's this concept an idea of how things are and should be right but- when you, I mean, when you play these games, when you think about the kind of football that you'd be, I, personally, I'm sort of, you're always torn between that Roy Keane style of just like full of attitude and aggression and whatever, or that Bobby Charlton style where you're just like gentlemanly and sainted and loved, <laughs> which yep. sort of feels like that might feel nice. Bobby Chardon is like a byword for Englishness in a way, isn't he? He was the first sort of global, globally recognised Englishman. Well, so it's a cliche. I, after after Stanley Matthews, right? So those two were like from that sort of that golden era of football and post-war when football was becoming this thing that it is now. That yeah, sort of a way. It was always kind of almost like a cliche of communicating with people when you go abroad, hey, hey, Bobby Chowton, Bobby Chowton, and they would know that you were that you were all right in some way because you yeah. knew who Bobby Charlton was. And I don't really think there's been a player like like that since then. I mean, we've had there've been figures like David Beckham was obviously married to a pop star as Bobby. Big, big cultural figure. But and I, I guess we could argue he stood for the value of determination or persistence or whatever yeah it wasn't quite in the way in the way of bobby charlton who more represented an ethos of brilliance and fair play together yeah the way that i guess the way that england likes to look at itself obviously exactly yeah yes yes but it's vested in him yeah people people like him yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about Sharna's legacy in for the backers content this week, but we wanted to recognise it. I do have an anecdote. Uh, so I might have told this one on the pod before. I don't remember. I never met, never had spent any time with Bobby Charlton, but I did literally bump into him outside of Old Trafford. He uh, ran into me looking the other way because there were a lot of people chasing after him. Uh, and then he got in fairness. I, you know, I'm fairly you're big. A you're a unit. <laughs> unit and i'm somewhat younger than him as well and he slammed into me crashed into me gave me the old two footer uh, and then he got really angry with me <laughs> i was like all right what did he say to you tall bastard 
Yeah, it's something like that. I don't think there are any swear words. <laughs> they weren't. Uh, but yeah, he was very annoyed with me and then uh, went on his way. Uh, but I had forgiven him. Y- you'll be glad to hear. So. And I mean, the other thing that I was in Shulam, started Shabbat on Saturday, and there was a guy with a comb over. And I thought, Oh, wow. Yes. And I thought, and there's also also that, that in the same way, I mean, those of us probably who went to school in the 80s, if you stroked your chin, it means someone's talking bullshit. And if you're sitting there, stroking your chin, going Jimmy Hill, (laughs) if far behind his butt, and all the rest of it. Bobby Charlton's also the byword for that particular haircut. And the fact that he was allowed to proceed through life with that haircut tells you the eminence and reverence with. An esteem in which he was held. And, and right, right, yeah. And rightly so. It, it is amazing. No one would actually do that today. You'd be shocked if you saw a comb over, but it, it was the thing. And yes, you're right. People respected him rather than mocked him for it. All right, we'll, we'll talk more about Bobby Charlton later. We had a game this weekend. United won 2-1 at Sheffield United. And, well... Can't say this wasn't mostly crap because so, it was. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got out out xg'd by Sheffield United, the uh, team that conceded eight against Newcastle the other week. So not awesome. I, the thing that struck me about this, obviously, there's still a very lengthy injury list, and and some players are are coming back or weren't being quite fit enough to play the full ninety this time. Or Ten Hag tried a something slightly different in midfield. But just the dysfunction in the team and the like inability to to like move the ball around it was kind of shocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that I was disappointed when I saw the team because I felt like, particularly with Casemiro out, it was an opportunity to try something, and I just want every week for us to try and move it forward. Yeah, and that midfield. I looked at the midfield and I thought, this isn't trying to move it forward. This is a team to just get a result in this game because yeah, yeah. the thing about McTee is that he did score those two goals the other day but it wasn't a virtuoso performance that demanded inclusion off the back of it plus we've had international week which sort of makes it politically easier for Tenap to leave him out what I've been thinking over these two weeks I mean God only knows yeah the things we do is that I don't think I know that some people think that Tom Lowe's just a load of bollocks and he's not good enough to be a first choice for United. I agree with that. But I remember when Jesse Lingard had his period of being quite good and Gary Neville said he's not good enough. But maybe he's like your, your 16th man who in one or two games at some point in the season make a difference. something that you might not otherwise have got. And I was kind of wondering if McTominay could sort of be that, but a finisher. As in, he's not helpful to the way that you want to play from the start so but when you're trying to crash the box and get goals he knows where the goal is he's a good finish yeah he's not scared and he might also help you close games down if you're winning so perhaps he's someone who is worth having to bring on the last 15 if he if he's happy to accept that yeah he's prepared to accept that to play for united rather than go fulham or everton or ever he's going to wear west ham wherever and start every game I mean, that's up to him. I'm not judging his choice, but I felt like maybe that would be something he could do for us. But then Casemiro, obviously, leaving him out is a bit of a hoo-ha. So you had an opportunity with him injured to try something, but we end up trying nothing. And what we saw yeah. was nothing. And you could make excuses for Ten Huff really easily. He's got none of his first choice back four. 
the back four that he has to play with the new goalkeeper constantly changing. Hoyland's played a bit, not played a bit, is young. Well, F- there's so many excuses, and yet it should not yeah. look like it should not look like it that. Should, it should not. And I, I don't think if you took 12 players out of the city side that they would they might not be as good, but they wouldn't look different. Uh, and for me, that's something wrong with but, the, the the coaching there that he hasn't he isn't able to get the whole group playing in one way. But even even that, I, I, I can excuse him on a sense for that as well because in centre backs, one was bought by Marine. It's got Lindelof bought by Mourinho, um, Maguire bought by Ole, Evans. I mean, yeah, what absolute fuck is that? And Dallo bought by Mourinho, whereas Guardiola's been at City long enough so that even the players he doesn't like are bought by him. So yes. they're there to do what he wants them to do. And I think you can't underestimate that you've got, being in the season, you're like, right, he's got his goalkeeper. He's got Martinez who can pass it forward. He's got a centre forward. And he's now in a position to try and inculcate a new style. All of a sudden, the ability to do that is fucked. So do you well, say, yeah, I do agree with what that. We were yeah. doing before, or yeah. we're going to try and do what we were going to do anyway, which is what they basically did the first half of the season. They just yeah. started to go wrong. They're a bit scared now. So they're just sort of tended to whack it forward. And I'm watching that game. Did you think at any point we're not going to win this? No, because I think, I think, I think there's enough brilliant players that you just expect United to create a chance, right? The, same, the two I, things, I thought, that, yeah. Same with Burnley. I thought that too. They're going to win All this right. game at some point. So the, the two things that kind of surprised me or didn't surprise me or... Or one were quite how easily Sheffield United were able to get through us with only 30% possession, right? So they created quite a lot of chances and they were, they, I think they had nine passes into the box, right? That is, that it's, ugh, it's not great. And, <laughs> and especially with two players there in Amrabat and McTominay that in theory should give more protection. And, and then the other thing was the kind of passing map. And there's, I don't know whether you check out Mark's stats, but he does a really good breakdown. I think it's automated actually from the data after the games. And, and yeah, his passing map is sideways, sideways from in defensive third and then down the wings. And I think a lot of that is because Amrabat and McTominay were not able to progress the ball into Bruno and Hoyland. So McTominay, I'm... just one point on McTominay, <laughs> which you might be, you might be going to say eight passes in this game. Eight. He had six at half time. It's just like it would if I was playing in central midfield and I'm 47 years old, I think I might have made more than eight passes because <laughs> I'd be going, hey, mate, give me the ball. <laughs> I've yeah. got it eight times. So, so I, I think that we can probably draw a little line between the first half and the second half of this game. It's true. They were different. Se- second half was wank. But we had control. I felt like we controlled that game. Yeah. And yeah, as you said, like exactly the same as you. I at no point really thought we won't produce enough moments of quality to win this one. So, like it will happen. And when the goal came, it was coming, which is a sign of a team at least doing something right that you expect them when they score when you expect them to. Because for a, a lot of Ole, the time under Ole, that wasn't quite the case. And I thought Amrabat played quite well in the second half. And, We've been talking about this for weeks, and I'm sure it won't happen yet, but there's going to come a time where you can't justify leaving Garnacho out. Yeah, I just don't know how to get him into... We got better with him, and he's more of a threat. I I don't think Rashford did badly. I mean, he he takes the ball, and he takes players on, and he's still like amongst the top two or three in the league for 
taking players on. So he's and dribbling. He's he just made a chance. Well, yeah, yeah, he did, and he, he had a great ball across for Hoyland with his left foot there. And so I, I don't know exactly how to get Garnacho in the team unless it's Rashford down the right, which of course he doesn't want to do. So uh, and and Garnacho or, or at least Hag doesn't seem to want Garnacho to play in that position either. So so here's uh, here's a question also that I have of Tenas that because I think fine you want this new style, but when I look at the players we have, I think is it possible to play that? possession oriented style when you've got Bruno and Rashford in the team? I mean, it's very difficult because they're, of course, the types of player. I'm Bruno, the risk taker. It's even worse with Casemiro in the team because he takes risks with the ball as well. Uh, And then Rashford, who wants to play into space. So, yeah, sure, absolutely. They're set up to play on the counter. Ten Hag wants both uh, both worlds, though, doesn't he? He wants to be the best counter-attacking team and a possession-dominant team. And And that's that can be true because that is Liverpool and City both play that way where they're extremely dangerous. And in fact, United are right up the top of the um, charts for turnovers, right? High, so they high, are ter- high turnovers. High turnovers. Get, and they did it in this game. anything of them, really. No, no, true. Eight in this game. So they are forcing teams to give them the ball back. And that's exactly what I want. And I think with Hoyland, Rashford and Anthony in there, they're pretty good at that. Rashford's the worst of them, I think, in terms of the pressing. And that's the only thing that Anthony's actually good at, as far as I can see. I mean, so no, so I think what Anthony is good at is you can give him the ball and he will take it and he will hang on to it. Yeah. But I don't, we do need to see more something from that. Yeah, yeah, with more, more attacking output from him. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's just so hard to really say anything about the way that he plays football, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, yeah. I, I mean, he, he's missed seven weeks for reasons, and, and without, knows, so without giving him a preseason. I mean, I, yeah, I, what, what, what's Mount there for then? Yeah, it's interesting. He didn't play in this game. I mean, presumably he should be a better version of McDominay, right? Able to score goals, create goals, retain the retain possession, and and add some legs in midfield. I don't know why he didn't start this one. Ten Hag well, didn't talk about it. It doesn't. We haven't obviously. We haven't presumably suddenly decided that he can't play with Bruno and one number six. I mean, maybe we have decided that, but then it would seem. I'm now. I want us to have decided that because, like, I agree with that point. But it just seems unlikely that Ten Hag with it, or we've we've seen enough to convince Ten Hag. I mean, I, I mean, I guess we'll see what TV picks in midweek and at the weekends. Yeah, I mean, when Man came on, Bruno went wide and Man went into number ten. I hate that. I hate it so much. I mean, I think Matt, some of Matt's best performances in his career have come playing wide. He's not going to take anyone on. But he uses the ball well. I, I don't think he's worse in that position than Anthony. I, I don't think he offers less than Anthony in all the things you actually want. Press trigger, retention of the ball. He doesn't carry the ball as well, that's true. But he's probably a bigger goal threat. So I, I don't know. Mount, Mount to me still doesn't stack up as a signing. I don't quite understand why he's there. I hope to be proven wrong, obviously, in that Ten Hag, who knows much more about football than I do, has a plan. It doesn't seem obvious just yet. No, it feels like we're sort of ganting on Mainu being fit and being really fucking good. To He's make training team, to make this team good. I mean, it's just, and I, yeah. I'm not saying I'm like vesting much in him. I'm just saying yeah, yeah. 
it feels like the only way this group of players can get can become a coherent team probably is if he's really good. Maybe, maybe there's a midfield in Casemiro, Amrabat, and Bruno. Feels like he's missing a little bit of pizzazz, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Maynou's the one who could bring balance to the force here. And oh, we've talked about it before, haven't we? He he feels like that that kind of all rounder who can add the legs and the quality and possession. But it's just it's a lot to vest on an eighteen year old who's had well, how many? Two or three appearances for the team. Yeah. So he's back in training. He's been training since September, apparently. So he must be close. A regular must be close as well. It, it, it looks like he might even be back for Copenhagen Copenhagen midweek, so that will also help with the balance. I mean, not that Lindelof did bad yesterday. It's just every time he gets the ball, he's having to look inside because he's not going to use his left foot to, and he's definitely not going around the outside to create Do space you know for what? the reference. There's also there's also just gets to a point with a player where I've just seen enough. Lindelof, Maguire, both of them. Like I know that they can both play well on occasion. I also know that neither of them are anywhere close to close to good enough, and looking at them makes me sick. <laughs> and it's not, it's not I genuinely think it's nothing personal. I just, I just can't bear to see those blokes play for United again because I know with certain players that you might have, you think, well, maybe one of the Saka and Dallow. And these are guys I also know aren't good enough, by the way, but I can squint and convince myself that because they're young, or there's room to develop them. Yeah. That they can get somewhere, whereas when I look at a team and see they those two, and I yeah I want to yeah yeah it's not. If you look at the data from yesterday's game, it looks like Maguire it's it's really high on the charts for possession via carry and possession via pass, right? As in he moves the ball forward, which is always the kind of the thing that defenders of Harry Maguire say that this is what he does. Uh, it's just that he doesn't move it into any kind of dangerous areas. It's the speed, it's the speed at which Yeah, and he's also, slowly, I know, yeah. I don't know if any of you noticed this, but when he gets interviewed afterwards, he's talking about, I can't remember, I guess the question was something like, and of course you would have felt this was a very important victory, Harrens, coming after that narrow win over Brentford. And he goes, yeah, I, re- 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 I reiterated to the players before the game, and I was just like, shut the fuck up. Your reiterations, <laughs> fucking reiterating dickhead. No one wants your reiterations. <laughs> like, he... no one to reiterate. Just, just play well and leave the reiterations. He got attracted to the ball in, mid- in midweek against Italy. Maybe and... he was too busy reiterating. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he got Loose sucked into watching the ball. <laughs> and he missed it. Classic Harry. I, I, I mean, there. I didn't think that goal was massively his fault. But I tell you what was... No, no, it just got, he got himself was... in the wrong position. I'll tell you what was to Dre about that game was so winning Rashford's goal, right? The commentary, they're making out like he scuffed it with his cock for two yards after <laughs> Bellingham has run around all, like, all of the other team and then farted it across. It's just... Rashford picked the ball like 40 yards out and the with three Italian... De- and the ball was behind him and there were three Italian defenders between him and the goal, so... Oh, I mean, it's a brilliant finish by Rashford. Uh, and I mean, and Belling- Bellingham is, sure. amazing, is an amazing player. I mean, I can't believe. We didn't I, I know. There's just a loving with Bellingham at the moment that in the way that Lionel Messi will tap one in from two yards and 
the commentators will fully cream their pants. The the same thing is happening with Bellingham at the moment. He's a great player. I would love to have seen him at United. Unfortunately, Edward Wood showed him around the training ground and that was that. I wonder if he'll just stay at Madrid. I mean, that's what he said. He wants to stay at Madrid for the next 10 or 15 years, he said. I know. It's funny that, I mean, again, it's up to him. It's just, you seriously satisfy. I don't know. It just feels like, Maybe we just think this because we're, I'm in England. I don't, I don't feel like I think that, but just like the best weekly contests with the best players and the most excitement are it tend to be in the Premier League. I don't know. As Premier League has more good players in it and, and almost all the best managers. Yeah. 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 That is true. At Real Madrid, he's going to be fighting for a title every year, but with one other team or maybe two I mean, when Atletico get. To be a legend around Madrid, I mean, of course, you, you cannot. Yeah. You cannot argue with that. Yeah, I just wonder. I just wonder if you might find at some point there's great professional satisfaction to be found somewhere else. Once, I mean, he won't. Yeah, it won't have to be. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess he could be at Madrid for so long. Yeah, he's twenty. All right. Well, it was look. It was a win. <laughs> Can you imagine if United had not won this game? The uh, pressure would be. I mean, it's high think, already, but the I pressure would like, be yeah, really high. Got, we got a bit unlucky in a sense. I mean, I guess we were lucky that there was a break because it meant that we could get some players fitter. But meant that the momentum that we got from those late goals against Brentford was dissipated in a load yeah. of nonsense. Yeah. Yes, that, true. It would have been better for United had a, had a game straight afterwards, although the, the performances have been so inconsistent this season. I don't think you could have said, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're I definitely going to win the next one. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure inconsistent is the word I'd use. I mean, maybe wank. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. That's true. Um, I uh, mean, it'd be consistent, <laughs> but just, yeah, just, just, just not good. And it is one, it is one of those situations where you, like, it, it's not dissimilar to the last Ole season in some ways. There are more excuses here because of the injuries. And, but, do wonder if it would affect the manager's authority in some way when it's this shit. And it will do if it keeps being shit. Yeah, so for why, sure. Why? 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 What he tells them. <laughs> We're going to move on for that game. We've got United women. Which we I didn't do we didn't do midweek pods. Uh, so there's a couple of talking points from the United Women's team. First, out of the Champions League, it's partly a shame with the format in that you get some really big teams meeting each other in the preliminary round. Mark Skinner made a bit of a yeah. knob of himself on football, like talking about that, and that you're right, but you can only say that if you win. Otherwise, well, yeah. Words. yeah. Yes, that's right. So, I mean, United really only have themselves to blame. I, there were some odd decisions in this one. I, I was on the plane while the game was taking place, but went back and reviewed it and some like really shitty defending cost United in the end, as well as really bizarrely overruled goal, which was perfectly fine. <laughs> just nothing wrong with it at all. Uh, and uh, so it's not just in the men's game that we get crap refereeing. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, they, they ultimately, they're a good side. And they're a bit like us. Like they've got good players, but they're always going to be chasing until they're properly supported. They've lost. I mean, I know Batley was always going to go, but they've lost Russo and Lauren James in the yeah. last two summers. No side can afford to lose players of that caliber. 
yeah expect to be among among the best it's just and yeah, yeah. we don't know why they left maybe Lauren James wanted to go back to London maybe Russo just fancies a change but you just feel that a serious football club would have managed to keep at least one of those well um, right and, and we're in the same position with Mary Epps who's uh, in the last year of her contract as well and there's just much more money I'm in the women's game right now wanted, so they're probably Mary Epps probably wanted to go as well uh Apparently so, yeah. And Arsenal, uh, Arsenal aren't even that good at the moment. It just feels like that they're drawing one all Bristol City now. Um, yeah. But it just feels like if you're a player, you can be sure that they're going to try and succeed. Yeah, yeah. That even if it might not work, but they're going to be trying. And that served Chelsea and that served City, and it's not served United. You can't be sure <laughs> that they're going to try and make it work. Make it no. And they brought in a lot of players this summer, some of which I think are really good. I mean, Geyser. Uh, loads, loads, loads of talent. Loads of talent. Inconsistent. Uh, and Skinner doesn't seem to trust her either. So didn't didn't well, start think, yesterday. But he's bought her knowing that he has to make her trustworthy because if she was trustworthy, he wouldn't be able to buy her. She'd yeah. still be a boss. He's, yeah. got, he's got to make that happen. Mallard, who's on loan from Lyon, who scored quite a few goals, scored again yesterday. And seems to be like pretty big contribution there. Mizawa in midfield, he took them 10 spot yesterday against Everton. Looks kind of interesting there because she hadn't scored many goals in her career and then scored a bucket load at the World Cup. So I think they're trying to work out exactly uh, exactly how to play her and use her. Well, she's just, she can play in a few positions as well. So, it's, yeah, and it's also where, he, where you, she can play and also where you need her. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, it is interesting because you know, like all that effort to get into the Champions League, and then there's no drop down to another European competition in the women's game. There's been a lot of talk about that whether there should be, and I suspect with especially in English football, there's just so much more money now with a new TV contract that we're going to start to get a concentration of players in the WSL. It might not be happening just yet. Clearly, the performance of United, who are behind Paris Saint Germain and Arsenal, get knocked out as well. Um, means that uh, it's not quite in the position of WSL being dominant, uh, but there's so much money there now that uh, that is likely to happen. So we'll, we'll see. But I, I, again, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, when Big Jim turns up and signs a signs a contract on the partial takeover minority investment and takes hold of football operations, we'll see whether he has a plan for the women's team as well. Nothing's been said. No. But I mean, I, I, presumably, yeah, like the amount of money it would take to make them more competitive, you would imagine will be committed because it's just, it's, it's not very much. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to be seen to be doing the right thing, even if you don't really care about it. Maybe you do. But yeah, it just, it feels like that would probably be better supported as well. But, the new training centre went up this week, and it's, it, it, it went up so quickly, this thing. I mean, maybe there's some time for planning. It's the, prefab. The, the, the actual, yeah, it's prefab. It's those prefab sheets. It, it looks cheap as fuck. I mean, I, I suspect it's one of those that, you know, when you see some housing developments go up and you know the difference between uh, low-cost housing and otherwise, and it looks very much like that. So in a couple of years' time, it's probably going to look really shit. So I, I, and, and look, we know under the glaciers that everything is pending pinched everything so probably this is a piece of shit but at least they have they have a base now rather than like the prefab units that they were in for a long time and they actually have some toilets and a gym imagine following harry Maguire in goodness me 
<laughs> right, hopefully he's got a separate toilet to go and defile. So I reiterated. So that, anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Arsenal have now scored against Bristol City. So there you are. There um, you are. That point was only good for about two minutes. Very good. Okay, so it's Charlton, the men's team, the women's team. United have a Champions League game in midweek against uh, Copenhagen. It's a, well, I mean, it's obviously a must win if United have any hope. I mean, the two wins against Copenhagen and a victory away at Galatasaray and a point against a point against Bayern that would probably be enough. But it looks a that'd be long road that, from here. No, no, that'd be more if we. If we beat Copenhagen and win in Galatasaray, that's nine points. Yeah, that should be plenty. Galatasaray, yeah. I've got four. Yeah. But if they, lose, if they lose both games to Bayern coming up and they lose to us, they'll only be able to get seven. Yeah. All right. If we, if we, three, three wins, three wins and assuming Bayern beat Galatasaray twice, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be, that'd be plenty. All right. I was more trying to work out a way. Is it possible that we could lose in Galatasaray and still go through if we beat with six points? No, no, no. That that wouldn't be enough. If we beat Copenhagen twice, that's yeah. six. If yeah. We, if we if we if we lose in Galatasaray, who lose to Bayern twice, yeah. Galatasaray will have seven. Yeah. So and, and we'd have to get a draw at home against Bayern and No, because uh, they they'd be playing Copenhagen in the last yeah. game. So yeah, that we can't we can't lose that one unless we could have prepared to beat Bayern. But a draw, a draw in that one. I reckon I reckon that if we were to draw so if we were if we beat Copenhagen twice six points and then draw in Turkey seven points, if they lose twice to Bayern and then that that and they draw with us, that give them five points. Yeah. It's tight as fuck, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> and, we're pro- we're probably yeah, we're probably good. Now, yeah, we might need to win in Turkey, I guess. But three wins, yeah, yeah. The ne- win yeah. the next three, and that'd be more than enough. So it starts. It starts on Tuesday night, though. So or Wednesday, Tuesday, I forget. I mean, we played the, the Galatasaray probably best performance of the season, maybe. Ever still lost? Yeah. I I don't think that Copenhagen at home will be able to handle us enough. No, I shouldn't. I think we'll hammer them. They they are one of the worst teams in the tournament, like both on UEFA coefficient and just they just are. So this this clearly is one United should win. I think we will win, but have to win as well. There's a lot of pressure uh, on this one. So United's entire business model is built around not only qualifying for the Champions League but getting to the quarterfinal. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. As I've said, like I think if we could stay in it, then we can do something in it after after in the new year. But yeah, just losing that Galatasaray game was just such absurd fucking behaviour. Of all the behaviours that we have witnessed over the last decade, genuinely, like losing that game is up there. It's up there with like the game with Sevilla last season, like where we sat that two two all, we somehow managed to concede two two own goals yeah. at the end. Like it's, it, I felt Leipzig that Leipzig away game. I felt like the the football we played was better. It was that level of like total fucking catastrophe that I mean it might not be because we might be able to get through it, but of uh, yeah, Wolfsburg, all of those. Goodness me. <laughs> Olympiacos. <laughs> <laughs> There's some been some absolute 
dire shite in Europe for the last 10 years. Really, really. It should not include a defeat to Copenhagen, though. I mean, it, like, it's un- unthinkable. I mean, I'm kind of more interested in what sort of team we might get out because Casemiro suspended whether he was fit or not. And he, d- he came back with this ankle problem. So, but are we going to see Mount start? I suspect we might see him again. Although, has Scott McTominay with his eight passes earned a place in the team? Uh, yeah, I mean, it feels like maybe that game. Then Europe thinks he can probably get away with Mount, Bruno and Amrabat. But even that forgotten Casemiro was suspended, which makes it, in a sense, even more annoying that we didn't maybe try something a bit different. I don't know. Like playing, I mean, what what is what do we actually have to try? It's not like Manu's available. What we could have done is play. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, on which point? I mean, maybe it'll be Ericsson. Might be, and he he did make a difference against Sheffield United. I mean, that's the (laughs) thing. He always he always makes a difference when he comes on, but. When you start him, he always has to be taken off, usually yeah. later than he actually is. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he's kind of player that is, is good for half an hour, isn't he? I'm not sure you want to pay a player who's good for half an hour a week, 300 grand a week. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense from the economics, but yeah. No, not true. If you're winning, if it's working, it doesn't mean shit because you've got yeah. to, there's so much money sloshing about. It's just whether it works or not. And... At the moment, it's not quite working because the players who are playing in front of him aren't good enough. So that you, I mean, we would we would think nothing of it if we were good. It's just we shit, yeah. so everything True. seems like a waste of money. I presume Hoyland will play again. I mean, he was taken off, and there was some there was a bit of a reaction from the away fans when he was taken off again for Anthony Martial. And Ten Hag tried to justify it afterwards by saying basically by saying we're managing his minutes, which is, I guess, fair enough. He is still young. It's just he, apart from the lack of a finish yesterday, he looked pretty good when he got the ball. I think he's got all the ingredients we want. He was a sort of couple of shoelaces away from converting twice, really. One great save from Fodringham, where he controlled it really well, shot, save, and then just some longer studs away from converting that Marcus Rashford cross. So... It feels like he's nearly there. He's, you know, he's just progressing. And then it was a shame he didn't get the full game. But he he presumably will start against Copenhagen. Talking of him, I actually read, I thought I wrote it down, but maybe I didn't, that Garnacho had said something about fizzing crosses across the front post for him. And we're not doing that currently. I was pleased to see that Garnacho said it because mm. it was something that I felt needed to be done. Because he doesn't exactly look like that kind of winger either. I thought with Martial, and obviously it's pointless saying this because he's him, but physically he looked much more confident. Like felt like he was running quicker. He was putting himself about more physically. He was turning. Yeah, I I quite liked his performance actually. We'll never be able to rely on him, and but as someone to have to bring on the bench, I felt like yeah, he did quite well. But we know that. And maybe he trusts his own. A, a fit yeah, yeah. Him is a he, and maybe he trusts his body more for if he's coming on for half an hour a week rather than having to play the full game. Gradually building up, isn't it? And I, yeah, he, he, I've never. There's never going to be a time when I'm pleased to see his name in the starting of another game. I want us to win, but I think that he's. We, I think we can see him getting better through the appearances. Yeah. So like the injury list, I mean, he's obviously back now. So the players who are out, not quite fit, 
against against Sheffield United were, let me pull up my list, Wambazaka, who's back in training. Casemiro has obviously got this ankle, pro- ankle problem, but I don't think anyone thinks it's too serious. Mainu, who's been back in training for a couple of months now. Martinez, who's obviously out till forever. Luke Shaw, who's who's just started ball work as well. And Malassia, who's going to be out for a little bit longer. It is slowly getting there where there'll be more options. Slowly. And it looks like Mainu, Casemiro and Wampazaka are going to be the first of that bunch. And then we'll be down to like maybe three injured players. Touch word, no new ones, because Varane came on yesterday as well, which means he's close to being back as well. I wonder, in fact, he he may well play the, the Champions League game. So Yeah, yeah, you would, yeah. You would think so. You would think that Varane would probably have played if we'd been playing a better team as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, so if we can get Regidol and Varane back into that defence, who's yeah. playing? Let's say Varane's back. Who are you playing next to him? Lindelof, probably. Not, <laughs> not Harrens, no. You're not playing. Uh, you're, not, you're not playing. I mean, but the mate Johnny Evans. What, but you might need some reiterations. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd like to reiterate that Harry's place on the bench is perfectly good. I mean, I yeah. think in the back of my mind, there's also who do I want to play against City? I don't know the answer to this, but whoever I want to play with Varane in that one should be playing in Varane, with Varane on Tuesday, and there's not going to be Evans. No, I do. I do keep thinking back to. I mean, although look, I, I don't think Lindelof is good enough. I think his performances are more consistent. The, the problem is the cup final, where he he basically provided the assist for Gundogan's goal after twelve seconds. Uh, that's exactly what's going to happen, isn't it? Because you know, not that City chuck the ball forward often, but they can, and know there's a header to be won there every time. So that is the problem with Lindelof playing against City, of course. He's just a bit more consistent, and and Harry has the lack of pace problem. So and Johnny so, Evans so isn't so going to play. I mean, so, and so does Evans. I mean, so. I, I I think I'm probably going for Maguire in that one, but the I, I he doesn't like, like playing him on the left hand side though, so no, he doesn't trust him there. Generally, but I mean, I feel like I felt the Arsenal game that the City games coming a bit too, and buying game coming a bit too soon for us. That, but. It's quite hard to see. I mean, the thing is, is City will give us space and we have players that can exploit that. doesn't matter. And it's any team. But we could quite easily concede four or five. So, Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll get to that one in midweek. I'm not looking forward to that one. But at least at least there are... If Casemiro is back for the City game, that would, that would help, obviously, because he can play Amrabat and Casemiro there and get some kind of control of those spaces that's those half spaces the ability to play two midfield players who can who can do that because we haven't we've never had that because fred wasn't that no mctominay wasn't that talking of fred the thing was pissing me off yesterday i was still getting pissed off with fred (laughs) he doesn't play for us anymore but the imprecision of the passing is something that has really like particularly i guess Mourinho or they teams but I think Ole teams, it really sticks with me just because they got, once they got cut almost good, the imprecision at the passing was something that they never lost. And that was really mainly, that was particularly embodied with Fred. But I was noticing it yesterday, just not quite hard enough, too hard, not quite yeah, yeah. the right, just it, it's, 
it's carelessness more than a lack of technical ability. I think it's a tech, it's a mental weakness that yeah. lays it in on making sure you always do the right thing. Fred, Fred's interesting because they are not playing him in any kind of defensive role at all. And his, his stats are completely different than they were at United. He is making hardly any of those challenges, interceptions, all the kind of stuff and the, the energy and uh, the legs and making the tackles and stuff like that that he was expected to do at United. They're just playing him in an attacking, attacking role, basically. Well, he's got, he can do that. He can win the ball high and he surprises you with his feet. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I do not miss him. Okay. I think that's it for this week. Back as we are going to talk a little bit more about Bobby Charlton, his legacy performances and role in the Busby Bays and the 68 European Cup win and all of that stuff. Everyone else will see you in midweek after the Copenhagen game. Got a prediction for that one, Dan? 17-0. Nice. I think that's that sounds legit to me. Yeah, comfortable win for United. Touch wood. Touching my head for those on the podcast. Thanks a lot, everyone. Backers, stay tuned. All right, this is the Backers Pod. Thanks a lot, everyone. So we're going to talk a little bit more about Bobby Charlton and his legacy at United uh, and uh, rolling the team. So he had, I guess there's kind of three phases, aren't there? There's Bobby Charlton, the kid who came into the Busby Babes side, sort of the second phase of the Busby Babes in 56. There's Charlton, the Ballon d'Or winner, European Cup winner. And then there's Charlton the sort of ambassador slash director who sat uh, in a in a sort of executive role at United for 40 years after he finished as a player and didn't quite make it as a manager. Obviously, neither of us are around for the Busby Babes part of this. You, you've done some research and writing on that. So what are your thoughts on that? phase of his career well he's just one of those people like there are a few of them around like i had i had, I, know, I have i have met bobby and i i'm asking bobby but i have met him and i'll tell you my story about, about him i have a story i'll tell you in a second but there are just certain people you meet and just like manchester united seeps out of every pore of their being yeah and i would say the, like um i'll tell you who's like that jimmy murphy jr who right um, is, is like that and wilf mcginnis right is really like that like that but it just, you speak to them and it, P- Paddy Crerand is another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just love Manchester United. It just, they're just surrounded by this visible almost aura of love for United. Bobby Charlton was just a great gentleman of the game. That he didn't, he didn't cheat. He didn't shout. He didn't swear. He didn't spit. He didn't fight. He just, went about being fucking brilliant at football. And mm. it's, in a sense, that that's almost the... That's not United in some ways because we so I kind of associate United with, like, the raging Red Devils, like Mark Hughes and Norman Whiteside and Dennis Law and mm. George Best and Eric Cantona, men with edge and yeah and fire. That's... That, but, Busby wasn't that. Busby was much more a man like Bobby Charlton, like a quiet man who had some kind of charisma that came through without them having to say very much, and that they quiet they carried themselves with a quiet dignity that made people want to please them. Mm. And 
it was it was more it was more that kind of thing. And I mean, the thing with Bobby obviously is that sounds like a ridiculous thing to say. And I don't it's a, I don't mean to be banal when I say it, but he never got over Munich. I mean, mm. How could you? That was a quick preview of this week's Backers Pod. For the full show, go to patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod.